Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Hello, faithful listeners, and happy hump day. Thanks for tuning in to an Old Testament episode of the Bible Explained podcast this morning or this evening or afternoon or whenever you're tuning into this podcast. I've actually had people come up to me and we're like, we can't listen to your podcast because it it airs too early in the morning. We don't get up that early. And I always say to them, I'm like, no, you don't have to listen to it in the morning. I always say like, good morning, faithful listeners, because the podcast airs at 6 a.m. for those who do want to get up and who want to listen to it on their way to work or something like that. That was kind of my my goal with the time that I set for the podcast. But you absolutely do not have to listen to it at six in the morning. (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you guys. I do not record these episodes live. I am not on the podcast at six in the morning, I am asleep. And I don't expect anybody to have to wake up early in the morning if you don't want to or need to wake up early in the morning just to listen to the podcast. But it doesn't really matter like when you choose to listen. You can listen in the morning. You can listen in the evening or the afternoon. I'm just thankful that you chose to turn on this podcast and listen to it and learn from scripture, hopefully, because today we're going to be talking about Deuteronomy 12 verses 15 through 25. And what we're going over today is kind of stuff that we have covered in the past, because don't forget, Deuteronomy basically means the second telling. So Deuteronomy is a second telling of the law. So much of what we cover is going to be very similar to what we covered in Leviticus, but just with a different take on it, because, you know, this is Moses bringing it to us primarily, though, I mean, God was inspiring Moses to reiterate the law, and sometimes God is speaking here. But where was I going with this? <laughs> I have no clue where I was going with all that. I am sorry. So let's read Deuteronomy 12 verses 15 through 25. Oh, that's what I was saying. Yes, we are talking about some concepts today that I have talked about in the past because we've covered it before in Leviticus and Numbers. But I think it's going to be a really interesting episode because we're going to be talking about the drinking of blood today and why we shouldn't be drinking blood. So once again this morning, grab your Bible and your cup of coffee and let's go ahead and read actually Deuteronomy 12 verses 15 through 28, actually. A little bit uh, longer portion of scripture here. But I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version this morning. Yet you may kill and eat meat within all of your gates, after all the desire of your soul, according to Yahweh your God's blessing, which he has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it, as of the gazelle and the deer. Only you shall not eat the blood. You shall pour it out on the earth like water. You may not eat within your gates the tithe of your grain, or of your new wine, or of your oil, or the firstborn of your herd, or of your flock, nor any of your vows which you vow, nor your free will offerings, nor the wave offering in your hand. But you shall eat them before Yahweh your God in the place which Yahweh your God shall choose. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, and the Levite who is within your gates. You shall rejoice before Yahweh your God in all that you put your hand to. Be careful that you don't forsake the Levite as long as you live in your land. When Yahweh your God enlarges your border, as he has promised you, and you say, I want to eat meat because your soul desires to eat meat, you may eat meat after all the desires of your soul. If the place which Yahweh your God shall choose to put his name is too far from you, then you shall kill of your herd and of your flock, which Yahweh has given you, as I have commanded you, 
and you may eat within your gates after all the desire of your soul. Even as the gazelle and as the deer is eaten, so you shall eat of it. The unclean and the clean may eat of it alike. Only be sure that you don't eat the blood, for the blood is the life. You shall not eat the life with the meat. You shall not eat it. You shall pour it out on the earth like water. You shall not eat it, that it may go well with you and with your children after you. Only your holy things which you have and your vows you shall take to go to the place which Yahweh shall choose. You shall offer your burnt offerings, the meat and the blood, on Yahweh your God's altar. The blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on Yahweh your God's altar, and you shall eat the meat. Observe and hear all these words which I command you, that it might go well with you and your children after you forever, when you do that which is good and right in Yahweh your God's eyes. So just in a few verses, you shall not eat blood has been reiterated five times. So this is a very important thing. And actually, this is one of the few laws that Paul the Apostle in the New Testament reiterated to the people, the Gentiles of that time period. He said, don't get boggled down with trying to follow the law to a T. Just do these three things. And I think they were refrain from sexual immorality. Don't eat food offered to other gods, and don't drink blood. I think those are like the three laws that Paul was like, continue to keep these. The fact that this is reiterated so many times in scripture and also in the New Testament, which is what you and I follow today, the New Testament, the fact that don't drink blood is reiterated so often in scripture means that there is something really, really wrong with drinking blood according to God. And like I said, I actually went into depth about drinking blood in the past, and I talked about the different diseases you can get with drinking blood. I talked about hemochromatosis, which fun fact, and I don't know if you guys remember me talking about this, I had hemochromatosis, and it was not because I drank blood. <laughs> I was actually really stupid, and I didn't do my research, and I was really big into like um, taking supplements. So my hands and feet were always cold. So I started taking iron supplements without properly researching iron supplements. And it turned out my body didn't need iron supplements at all because within a, like a week of taking them uh, regularly every day, I got extremely sick and I went to the ER and they couldn't find anything wrong with me. And so finally, I went to my, my doctor and I actually had, by that point, cut out all of my supplements by that point because I'm like I don't know what's causing this I don't know what's going on with my body but something bad is happening here and I went to my my primary care doctor and she asked me about my different problems that were happening and she ran some tests and she's like have you been taking iron pills and I was like as a matter of fact I have and she's like stop taking iron pills <laughs> So I don't know if I had like legitimate hemochromatosis, but I was getting very close to potentially getting it. Um, there were some bad things that were was going on, not to get too, too in detail, but there was a lot of bad things happening in the bathroom with, with me and the iron pills. But anyway, um, I'm not going to go into that, but hemochromatosis is bad. And like I had a very small version, I suppose, of it. But when you drink blood, because there's so much iron in it, no matter what, it is so bad for you because the more blood you drink, the more sick you're going to get. And people, I can imagine, like, I'm thinking about this, the ancient days that God is speaking to right here. And I mean, people are probably just sick all the time. Like, 
with them eating raw meat, with them eating blood and drinking blood and all sorts of stuff. I can imagine people were just sick all the time. And and God is laying this out very clearly. Like, if you want to live a good life, then don't drink blood. Like, that's kind of what he says. Here's what it says. You shall not eat it that it might go well with you and with your children after you when you do that which is right in Yahweh's eyes. So God is saying here, drinking blood is bad for you. It's not going to go well with you and your body and your children's bodies if you continue to drink blood, no matter what the other cultures have to say about it. Because I'm sure at this point in time, I don't know exactly everything that went on with the different cults and the different uh, worship of little G gods. But I'm going to guess that drinking blood was probably a big part of that because we do see that with strange ritualistic things that even happen nowadays, drinking blood is often a part of that. I'm thinking about um, that Stephen King movie, Children of the Corn. (laughs) Uh, I wasted my time watching that movie the other night. But there was a scene where like the children begin to like drink blood because they're like part of this weird like child cult or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, that is so gross. But I don't know why I thought of that for now. But a lot of times when we see these strange ritualistic things that go on, drinking blood is often a part of some of those cults. So I'm going to guess that back in these ancient days, drinking blood was probably something that was commonly done because God does say don't do it. And he says that often. Kind of like whenever he talks about food laws, he mentions something about not drinking blood. So these ancient peoples probably were quite accustomed to drinking blood as part of their rituals or something. And so God says, it doesn't matter what the cultures around you are doing. Do what is right in Yahweh's eyes. And what is right in Yahweh's eyes is not drinking blood because God does, in fact, want you to be healthy. I mean, Even God says, don't eat of it and it will go well with you and with your children. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. God is saying, don't drink blood because if you do, you're not going to be healthy and your children won't be healthy either. Not to mention that uh, drinking blood is often associated with animal torture, just torture in general. And we're going to go into torture a little bit more actually on Friday because we're going to talk about um, Moloch a little bit with the next portion of Deuteronomy 12. But torture, obviously, God is not okay with that on any capacity. He's not okay with animal torture. He's not okay with torture of human beings. He's not okay with it. And he even says in scripture, people who follow after me are going to have regard for the lives of their animals. Regard, it means to have respect for. If, if you look it up on Google, it says, to respect or to pay attention to, to take into consideration or account, to show respect or consideration for. God does want us to to care, not just for each other, but for other lives as well, for the animal lives. And I mean, what was our first purpose on earth when God first created Adam and Eve in the garden? It was to care for the garden, to take care of the animals that lived in the garden. So that is our primary role. And unfortunately, due to sin and to sin nature, humans don't do that. We often destroy the creation that God has given us and we don't have respect for animal life. But removing blood drinking (laughs) 
way back in these days, God is putting a first step in place for people to stop the torture of animals. But I'm going to go back to verse 15 here. It says, yet you may kill and eat the meat within all of your gates after all the desire of your soul, according to Yahweh, your God's blessing, which he has given you. So even though, yes, animal torture is very wrong, God still did give us very specific animals that we could eat for meat. So eating meat isn't wrong, but even God lays out in Leviticus, he actually laid out how you were supposed to respect life of animals, even though you were going to eat them or sacrifice them. But I'm not going to go too much into that today. But God does say you may eat meat. You may eat any meat that you want that is clean, that I, I laid out for you guys being clean. And uh, that's a whole list, once again, that I'm not going to go into about clean and unclean animals. God says you're free to eat meat as long as it's clean. But he says anybody who is clean or unclean may eat of it as of the gazelle and the deer. So people who were considered to be ceremonially clean were allowed to eat the meat within their gates. But even people who were unceremonially clean were also allowed to eat meat in their gates. God wasn't going to hold anybody back from being allowed to eat meat, regardless of the fact if they were ceremonially clean or unclean. Now, someone who was ceremonially unclean, you know, say they were were sick or something like that, they would not be allowed to go into the temple like at all until they were well, until they were ceremonially clean again. But as for being at home, God isn't going to be like, oh, you're sick. You're not allowed to eat meat. <laughs> no, he's saying, look, you can eat meat if you are at home, whether or not you are ceremonially clean or unclean. And so he says, the only thing you can't do is you can't eat the blood. Pour it out on the earth like water. But in verse 17, God goes into what you cannot eat within your gates. And it basically had anything to do with sacrifices. Any animal that was meant to be sacrificed to God, any tithe that was supposed to be given to God, any uh, first fruits, anything like that was not supposed to be eaten at home. Instead, God says, you can eat of that stuff. However, you have to go to the place that I require you to go. And we went into that a little bit on Monday about the place that God requires people to worship. People weren't supposed to just sacrifice their animals to God any place that they chose. And actually, God is making it clear that eating meat here, like the, just a normal daily meal, is not a sacrifice to God. So he lays that out pretty clearly that true sacrifices to God is not the same as a family meal, for example. Because I can imagine if if God did not clearly lay that out, people would just be like, God is inconsistent or whatever. <laughs> but they do that now anyways. But anyway, God says, no, your daily meal is not the same as, say, a sacrifice to me. However, your sacrifices, your specific sacrifices meant for me are not supposed to be eaten at home. Instead, you must go to the temple and sacrifice them there. And it says, then you and your daughter and your son and your male and female servants and the Levite who lives with you, all of these people may come and eat of this sacrifice in the place that God chooses. So really what this boils down to is that God is differentiating between a normal family meal and a sacrificial meal. Now, something that's kind of interesting is the, these last couple verses here kind of go a little bit off topic from eating. 
The end of verse 19 says, you shall rejoice before Yahweh your God in all that you put your hand to. And then also be careful that you don't forsake the Levites as long as you live in your land. So what we just discussed was everything about eating a meal. And now God says that you shall rejoice before Yahweh your God in all that you put your hand to. And I think that's really cool because what God is saying here is that regardless of whether you're at home or whether you're at the temple or whether you're working or no matter what you're doing, rejoice before Yahweh your God in all that you do, basically. And I mean, it's very hard to do. <laughs> it's very hard to like go through the daily grind of life and not be like boggled down with depression or anxiety or fear of the future or whatever. And God is saying, don't do that. Instead, rejoice before me in all that you do. I'm actually working through this uh, contentment journal. I think I talked to you guys about this a little bit ago. And I really like it because the contentment journal is talking about how it's not just about being thankful for the things that you have, but it's also about humbling yourself. And that's how you gain true contentment in life. You can't just be thankful. You also have to be humble at the same time. I never thought about contentment as being humble also, but it really is what it is. And people who are content, and I can honestly say this, the few people I know who truly seem content in life are some of the most humble people I've ever met. So it, it really does go hand in hand. And actually today, I was reading in my personal study, um, Micah. And Micah chapter six talks about what God requires of people. And this really stood out to me. And I've seen this verse so much. It's like a really popular verse right now. But I never like sat down and read it. And it really hit me today. It actually says, this is what God requires of you to love mercy, to walk humbly and to do good or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, God requires us to walk humbly in all that we do. Walk humbly before God. And when we humble ourselves before God and we recognize how good God is to us and how many blessings he has really given us, especially if we live here in America. I mean, we are very blessed to live in this country, honestly. But just to recognize the blessings that God has given us is a very humble thing to do. And that's actually what God requires of us. And once we start recognizing those blessings, we start rejoicing over God more. Rejoice before Yahweh your God in all that you put your hand to. But then he goes into this. He says, be careful that you don't forsake the Levites as long as you live in your land. Because the Levites were the ministers. They were the priests. And sometimes they couldn't be priests. Not every single Levite was a priest. There was actually um, things that disqualified a Levite from becoming a priest. So Levites were not able to support their families the same way that the other tribes were able to because the Levites didn't get a portion of land. They didn't get like a physical inheritance. Instead, their inheritance was God himself. So God has laid it out pretty clearly to all the tribes of Israel that the Levites were set apart as holy and that all the tribes, all the 11 tribes were supposed to help and support the Levites in their work. And this brings me to a verse from 1 Timothy 5, verses 17 and 18. And this is in the New Testament. And this says, elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scriptures say you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. 
God makes it very clear throughout scripture that we are supposed to be supporting those who do ministry work, whether it's our pastors or our leaders or our teachers or people in the church. We are supposed to be supporting those who minister, especially if others are benefiting from that ministry. But moving on here in verse 20, God says that when he brings his people into the promised land, as he promised, he actually says that he wants his people to have their desires met. He wants them to eat and be happy and rejoice and be joyful. I think that's really nice. Once again, Micah, the the verses I was reading today, actually says that God really desires, he actually desires to bless people abundantly. Like he's, he's so loving towards people that his desire is not to punish people. He doesn't like doing that, but he loves blessing people. So this is kind of what this reminds me of there is that God says, I want you to eat meat because your soul desires to eat meat after I give you the promised land. So eat it. <laughs> but then in verse 21, he talks about a, a different concept of people who live way too far away from the place that God chooses. In that case, the only requirement is here in verses 26 through 28, which says only the holy things which you have and your vows you should take and go to the place which Yahweh shall choose. So they still had to uh, go to the place that God chose in order to do their sacrifices. But it was it seems to be much more easy because I don't know if this necessarily required everything that God mentioned for the people who live nearby. And we see this kind of playing out in 1 Samuel with a woman named Hannah and her husband who would take a trip to the temple once a year and do all of their sacrifices then. So I'm going to guess that in general, people who lived far away, God was giving them a little bit more grace to not have to bring every single thing to the temple all the time, because that would just be a lot of work. That'd be very hard to go back and forth from the temple for everything. So really what this boils down to is the fact that God is very gracious. He's very kind to people. He's not a harsh God at all. He, I mean, I mean, look at this entire portion of what we just read. First and foremost, he said so many times that he wants to bless his people. He wants to give people the desires of their soul. It says he wants them to be able to eat the meat that they desire, that they want. And he wants them to rejoice and live happily and well in the land and healthfully in the land. But yet at the same time, he respects people who maybe can't make it to the temple all the time. He respects the people who live farther away from the temple. And I think that this here, Deuteronomy 12, is kind of what this boils down to, is that God truly just wants to bless his people and he wants them to have a joyful and fulfilled life. Faithful listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please share it on your social media platforms. And guys, you know what? If you go over to my website and you subscribe to the email list, you're going to get two free chapters of my book, Out of the Mire. But also, I'm going to link all the other books that I have written in the bio of this podcast episode. So you can check them out on Amazon. You can pick one up for yourself if you so choose. And every purchase that you make helps the Bible Explained podcast continue to run. Friends and faithful listeners, I'll see you tomorrow morning or, you know, whenever you wake up (laughs) or whenever you choose to tune in for an episode tomorrow out of the New Testament, out of the book of John. We're going to be finishing up John chapter one tomorrow. And yeah, I mean, already we're flying through the book of John. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm kind of like sad. I feel like this is going to sound really crazy. I know I'm only in the book of John, but and only in the book of Deuteronomy, but it almost feels like I'm like almost done with the Bible or something. <laughs> I know that's not the case. I was talking about this with my husband the other night and he's like, Jen, don't worry. Once you get to the book of Revelation, you're going to have your hands full with content. And I'm like, yes, I am. You're absolutely right. Faithful listeners, I'll see you tomorrow morning. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless. Thank you.